altars. Everybody say altars. Come on, say that one more time. Say altars. And so uh, allow me today, uh, allow me today or tonight, allow me this evening to kind of peruse the subject on altars. We will not be exhaustive today, but we want to give an overview, an expose, if you will, on what altars are, their function. And we want to deal with it from this subject, the anatomy of altars, the anatomy of altars. We want to look at the uh, individual components that make up an altar. Just do a brief overview so we can all be on the same page and then as we continue to go forward, uh, we'll get a little bit more into it. Uh, But we're in Leviticus chapter 1. Leviticus chapter 1. Now that's one of those uh, books that you may not run through quite often. All right, so I'm gonna give you guys a chance to find it, but that's Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. We call it theologically, what do we call it? The Pentateuch. The Pentateuch, all right? The first five books of the author is Moses. Moses writes the first five books of the Bible, uh, which is not really that uh, significant. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are pretty much diaries and recounts or reports of Moses' life. But it's Genesis that we have to kind of take a pause at because Genesis, uh, the events that make up the book of Genesis were events that happened before. Moses was born and so for Moses to reach in the eternity of God's past and be able to pull out specifics takes a pretty uh, strong and accurate prophetic mantle and prophetic anointing but Moses was able to do it and by doing that he begins to set order Genesis is what we call the foundational book it's the seed book it's the gene book or the book where we get the DNA the pattern or the form of our scripture or our faith it is Genesis. And then, of course, after Genesis, you have Exodus, which comes from a Greek word that literally means come out of or to be drawn out from. That's what the word Exodus means. It actually comes from a Greek rendering or from a Greek word. The actual Hebrew word for the book of Exodus is the Hebrew word Shemot, and it literally means the book of names because it was in the book of Exodus that the children of Israel had their names or their identity, their, uh, their, 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 um, I'm looking for a certain word, their, not prestige, but their apostasy. They had their posterity stripped from them, their inheritance stripped from them. And then by the time uh, we get to Leviticus, we're beginning to see God establish the priesthood, the tabernacle, and the order of worship. And so... Uh, quite basically before we move into worship uh, we deal with what we all know as the tabernacle of Moses and I'm not going to go over that right now but it will suffice to say that the worshiper as he was approaching God when he was going through the tabernacle the first piece of furniture or the first artifact that he would encounter was the altar everybody say the altar come on say that again say the altar The altar acted as a barrier and a bridge. It was a bridge for those that wanted to come to God, but it was a barrier for those that wanted to play with them. It was the altar. At the altar, it was the separation between those that really wanted God and those that wanted just to play around. It was the altar. It was at the altar that soul and spirit was divided. It was at the altar that flesh and spirit was divided. It was at the altar where your heart was divided and the inner workings of your heart 
the, 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 the motive, the intent, the disposition, the attitude of your heart was revealed. It happened, somebody say, at the altar. Come on, say that again. Say, at the altar. And so um, we're going to read Leviticus uh, chapter 1. And it's a lot that we should read, but we're not going to read as much as we should. I'm going to start reading at verse number, um, let's do verse number three. Verse number three, Leviticus 1, verse number three. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation of the Lord. Let's stop there. Now, one of the things that we want to go ahead and bring out is the fact that God specifies what sacrifice to give. Notice that God does not leave the sacrifice up to your own vocation, volition, or your own decision, or your own feeling. God tells you what to bring. All right? So when it comes to giving God what he wants, God is specific. He said, I want you to choose uh, or offer a male without blemish. Now, all throughout the scripture, you're going to see this pattern. That when God wants you to offer a sacrifice, he wants it to be, number one, a male. And then, number two, he wants it to be without blemish. Why is that the pattern? Now, remember, when we're dealing with, with offerings, we're dealing with substitutionary sacrifices, things that take your place, all right? Now, the reason that that's important is because when this process or system was first enacted or established, the lamb that was chosen had to match the offender, right? It had to match the offender. When God went looking for a sacrifice that could take the place of Adam, he had to find a sacrifice that had Adam's characteristics. And how was Adam made? When God made Adam, Adam had no, uh, no blemish. Adam had no malfunction. Adam had no, uh, no uh, dysfunction or, or uh, 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 depreciation. Adam had no issue in any area. Adam was complete, perfect, whole, and entire. So when God finds an offering that that can satisfy Adam's sin, he has to find something that is like Adam. And so he says, get a male without blemish. It's male because your offering should have the ability to reproduce. Reproduce. Amen. It should have life in itself, seed in itself to produce after its own kind. And that's a principle that you want to write down. Genesis chapter 1 verse number 11. That every seed reproduces after its own kind. If it's a lazy offering, it's going to produce lazy praise. Amen. Amen. So it produces after its kind. But God wanted a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary Right? We're talking about the beginning of worship. Now, we're just getting into some of the rudimentary or some of the elementary principles of altars tonight. But one of the important things to realize and understand is that worship, when we deal with altars and offerings, it must be done by your own will. By your own will. Nobody can make you sacrifice. Right? Right? Nobody can make you sacrifice. Once you are made to sacrifice, the sacrifice loses potency or it loses significance. Have you ever wanted to do something for somebody, but right before you was about to do it, they asked you to do it? 
You ever had, you ever wanted to bless somebody and you was just waiting. You had a hundred dollar bill in your pocket. You were just waiting for the right time. And right before you asked them, they said, do you mind if I borrow $20? And what did it do? It depreciated the offering because now they think you gave it because they, you following me? And so it means more when it's done by your own will. It means more to God when it's done voluntarily than when somebody has to command it out of you. Now hear me, there are commanded offerings. All right, we'll get into it in this series. There are times where Moses looked among the congregation and said, I want you to bring white linen. I want you to bring purple scarlet or, or, or blue linen. I want you to bring A, B, and C. Because there are times where God will specify your offering. Watch me, because your miracle is specific. Right? See, for miracles that may uh, be a bit haphazard, a bit serendipitous, miracles that may not have form or shape, you might can just pray praise. You can just throw out something and you're going to get something in return because whatever you sow, the law of seed time and harvest is always in effect. So you can throw out a sacrifice and you might get something like the flesh hooks in the hands of the priest. You just throw them into the fire and whatever you jump out or whatever you pull out, that becomes your, uh, your miracle. But there's others of us, we don't there's others of us we will not leave our future to chance we will not leave our blessing to chance we're not just going to reach into the spirit and pull out whatever we want we're going to sow and whatever we sow that what we that is what we shall reap the scripture says if you sow to the flesh you'll reap to the flesh but if you sow to the spirit you'll reap to the spirit but what we're saying is every seed reproduces or every offering reproduces after its own kind. So if you want a small miracle, so small. That's simple, all right? So you got to offer on your own accord, willingly at the door. Uh-oh, I want to do it at home. I want to have church at home. I want to do it on Periscope. You can do it on Periscope, but I promise you, the anointing don't move as fast and as thick through Periscope as it does at the door of the tabernacle. See, one of the things that we will find out in this series is that God is very particular when it comes to place and space. God cares where you are. I'm not just talking about when you worship. I'm talking about at night. Right? God cares where you are. All of the spaces that you dwell in should be sacred. Watch me. If not because of how they have been uh, established, but because of your devotion. Even if they have not been established as a religious center or as a spiritual epicenter, when I come in the place, my devotion and my dedication turns that place into a sanctuary. All right? So the scripture says that you do it not at any place, but you do it at the door of the tabernacle, of the congregation before the Lord. Let's keep going. And he shall, watch me now. Now, he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Let's stop right there. So now notice the protocol here. Not only is there a particular place to offer a sacrifice, there is protocol on how to bring it. See, God is a God of protocol. God is not a God of you doing it the way you want to do it. See, it's not in what you want that reveals your... Uh, God 
help us. It's not in what you want that reveals your love for God. It's are you willing to get it the right way? Because if any man comes to me or comes to the Father, he's got to come by me. If he comes any other way, he's a thief and a robber. It's good that you want it, but are you willing to go through it or go to it or get it the right way? That's your devotion. See, we used to think that, okay, this is, this is, this is, this is love, right? I'm going to love God and do me. Come on, I know that's, I know that's, that's, that, that, that's kind of shallow. It's a shallow statement, but I promise you it's deeper than you may think. I'm going to do God, but I'm going to do it my way. And then when blessings dry up, when brooks dry up Elijah, when things begin to break down, when things begin to diminish, when things begin to malfunction, you're wondering, but I tithe though. But you tithe your way. You tithe, but you don't give it first. You go shopping first. You pay your bills first. And then you wonder why it don't work. Because it has to be done a certain way. The scripture even says it. It says, let everybody that brings an offering or, or renders anything to God, it says, let them be a cheerful. Wait, wait, bro. I'm already bringing the offering, so now I got to do it the way you want me to do it? Yeah. Yeah. It's not enough to be married. Did you know there's a way? Right? I wish we, got, I wish we had time, but it ain't enough to date. Now, everybody quiet. Right? Because you will get the kingdom of darkness's results if you do it their way. Now, see, it's, and this is the, I think, the confusing part is that there is usually, and when I say one way, I'm talking about protocol, of course, can take on many shapes in the sense that you can do many, you can do the same thing, but it may not always happen in the same place, locale, at the same rhythm or pace. We understand that. But the, 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 the breakdown, the outline, or the protocol is usually similar or it's the same. See, the, 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 what tricks us in the kingdom of darkness is that they have many ways. Many ways. You can go Buddhist. You can go Muslim. You can go Confucianism. You can go Black Lives Matter. Right? You can go homosexual. And get this, everybody that's going those way can say, but it worked for me. Right? How, wait, wait, wait. You can't assassinate my happiness because it worked for me. So you can't say it's wrong because it's working. Could, could it work and still be wrong? You got the man, but look at all the women you had to step over to get him. So you got it, but did you get it the right? You got the job, but you lied on the girl who, who filled out the application, who was more qualified than you. You talked about it at the water cooler. You got it, but did you get it the right way? You know how many Christians get stuff the wrong way and then testify? How you leave out that bit of information? All right. So he says, look, now when you do it, I want you to do it a certain way. I want you to bring this male, lamb, goat, whatever it is from a herd. That, that's a different message. 
All right? That's a different message. Notice that the offering is chosen among many. That means in order to pick it, you need the discerning capability to be able to decipher, to decipher or to divide good between regular. You got to be able to look at a whole bunch and say, that ain't it, that ain't it, that ain't it. That belongs to God right there. The best one, the best outfit, amen. The best offering, the best praise. When I'm looking at all the hallelujahs I got, I'm not going to give them the one that I get. When I... You know that hallelujah when you're looking for a seat at the restaurant, you don't feel like sitting down, your ankles are a little bit swollen, you know what I mean? And you got a little hallelujah there, but there's another hallelujah that you've been saving until you hit the jackpot, amen. That's another one. So now when you're picking one to give God on a Wednesday, do you say, I'm going to give him this one because it don't cause a lot of issues. Amen. It's hot in here. I just got off work. I'm tired. I'm going to give him that one. God always wants your best. Not just in worship. Can we go there? Amen. When it comes to giving, he wants your best. God don't want to be tipped. Amen. He's not a stripper. He don't want your ones. Amen. Because your heart ain't in your ones. He said, wherever your treasures are, your heart will be there also. And your treasure ain't in ones. That's why you make it rain. You don't do that with hundreds. You know why? Because there's value there. God wants what you value. That's why a male had to be taken because it was the male that gave the possibility and the potential for a future. You had to sacrifice your future. What did you want to be? What did you want to do? What degree you wanted to get? What job you wanted to get? What city you wanted to live in? You had to sacrifice that. So he says, not only is there a process not only is there protocol, there's a, there's a way to do it. And so this is what he says. After you choose the offering, bring it to the priest. Watch what the priest does. The priest puts his hand on the head of the offering, symbolizing that the sins of the priest and the people he represents. We're going to get into represent, representational power because the priesthood worked by representational power. They represented humanity to God when they served God. But, they, they, but when they served the people, they represented God to the people. And so we're going to deal with that. With that dynamic but after the the lamb would come they would lay hands on the lamb and watch me even though this was physically somebody say I'm here now watch me even though this was physically done in the earth this was a real action right a lamb come hallelujah he puts his hand on the lamb's head and even though it was a physical action what happened when he did it was a spiritual exchange. All right? Now, you've got to understand that because if you don't understand that, you will think it's pageantry, not prophetic. You will think that it's just something that we do. Not knowing that as we do it in the earth, it's being done. 
All right? So he puts his hand on the head of the lamb, transferring. There is a spiritual exchange. This is impartation. All the sins of the, the world or all the sins of the people go on the lamb, and the innocence of the lamb now comes upon the people. Now watch. When he does it in the earth, it happens in the spirit. Matthew chapter 16, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So there's a spiritual exchange. Now watch. Watch what he's doing. He's doing the same thing that Pilate did. All right? When Jesus is arrested in the, in the garden, they take him to a judgment hall. Now, they don't have the power to judge him. Why? Because the Jews are not in power. The Romans are in power. They are the statesmen of that day. They have the political power of that day. And so Caiaphas cannot judge Jesus. So they take Jesus to Herod. Herod can't judge him. Amen. He's a make-believe king. He's a puppet king. He's a political king. He's just a billboard. He's a puppet. Amen. He's just there to distract people from the fact that Tiberius Caesar is actually running Jerusalem. And so he's just there. He can't judge him. So they send him all the way down to Pilate. When Pilate is there, he has to make a divine exchange because there is a guilty man by the name of Barabbas that's already in the jail. But now there's a there's an innocent man by the name of Jesus. But all the sins of the world, help me preach, has to come upon Jesus. And so Pilate, watch me, has to announce that this lamb has has no blemish. He says, I find no fault. He said, I looked over the lamb backward and forward over and over again, and I found no blemish. He'll do. He actually tried to release him. He goes to the Jews. He said, what do you want me to do? He is innocent. Crucify him. So watch me. Pilate has to give the word. But when he gives the word in the earth, there is a spiritual. Because watch me. All the sins of the world must come upon Jesus at that moment. Not when he's on the cross. He has to feel the weight and the burden of sin. When he's going down, the, when, he's, when he's carrying the cross all the way to the heel of the skull, to Golgotha's heel, he's got to feel the burden and the weight of sin. Otherwise, it don't count. He got to feel it. So watch what Pilate says. He says, I find no fault in this man. He says, Caiaphas says, crucify him. He says, all right, who are we going to let go? We're going to let go Barabbas, a guilty man, to imprison an innocent man, Jesus. The switch happened. The exchange happened. Now, how do we know this is what Pilate did? Because right after he did it, what did he do? He went and washed. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted. Every offering is not accepted. That's, a, that's important to write down. Every offering is not accepted. Every praise God is not obligated to accept. See, watch me, because we still think we can do it our way. Every marriage, God don't accept. God don't accept open marriages. Just thought you should know it, amen. God don't accept 
I accept. See, all my country coming out. Amen. God don't accept same-sex marriages. But that's what I got, though. Take it back, though. Because he don't want it, though. I don't know why we think that God is a garbage disposal. We can put anything in him, and he can just make it what he wants. Amen. There are things God don't want. Now watch me. He wants you, but he don't want you with that. All right. I know, I know, I know. You say that ain't, that ain't true. Why, well, why would he say, I want a lamb without spot or blemish? what we call devotion, dedication, that I want to give God my best. And when I give it to him, I want to give it to him in a way that it looks the best. That's why I never subscribe to the idea, you wear whatever you want to wear to church. Why they don't say that at your job? Have you noticed that every place that they place value on, they put a dress code with it? And it's only in church that we have to eliminate the rules for people to come to God. All right, we're almost done. Y'all tired now. All right. He says, and it shall be accepted. Let's go to verse number five. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord. Notice where he does it. He does it before the Lord, meaning that the sacrifice is transparent. And the priest, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Let's keep going. And he shall flay or cut. Cut. He shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. We're almost there. Keep going. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order. I want you to underline that in your Bible, all right? And the sons of Aaron, the priests shall put the fire upon the altar and they lay the wood in what? They just throw it there. They put the wood in order, all right? So what we're going to be dealing with tonight for about 10 minutes, give me about 10, 15 minutes, is the anatomy of the altar. We want to get to the foundation, uh, which is the wood or the, uh, the, the base of the altar. We may not get to all of it tonight, but we want to uh, get there at some point. But we're going to deal with the anatomy of the altar. Let's deal first with the cosmological order of the kingdom. Now, you guys already know this. Most of you guys may be familiar with it, but I want to give it to you because it's important for us to establish our case. Every Every world is made up of kingdoms. Every world, whether it's the business world, the music world, whether it's the entertainment world, every world is made up of kingdoms. So in the business world, you may have the kingdom of Coke. You got the kingdom of Pepsi. You got the kingdom of this, 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 and this. In the kingdom of Coke, you have different realms because they just, they just don't do Coke. They do Sprite. They do Fanta. They do uh, 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 ginger beer in South Africa. They do a whole bunch of stuff. And each one of those have to be ran by people that think a certain way because every world is made up of kingdoms. Every kingdom is made up of realms, but every realm is made up of dimensions. When we say the word dimension, we're talking about a world of thought or a way of thinking. 
a way of thinking. Watch me. When you see somebody successful, don't covet what they have. Desire to find out how do they think. And how do you find out how do they think? Discover what they read. Don't ask for time. Stop asking. I'm going to have a meeting with you. No, you don't, because all you're going to do is waste time. What books are you reading? Watch me. Read the books so that when we do have lunch, I got something to talk about. That's good. All right? That's a mentorship method. All right? If you're being mentored, find out what your mentor likes and learn to like it so that when you get with them, there's actually cross-pollination. Trust has been built by commonality. And that creates a bridge for impartation or for wisdom to travel on. Somebody say, I understand. All right? So now, when we're dealing with altars, uh, every world is made up of kingdoms. Every kingdom is made up of realms. Every realm is made up of dimensions. Every dimension is made up of levels. All right? Stages of mastery. In order for you to think a certain way, you have to master certain things, right? And we always use the connotation or the example of a husband. In order for a husband to be a husband, he's got to know how to be a son. He's got to know how to be a lover. He's got to know how to be a caretaker, so forth and so on. There are levels that he must master. And you shouldn't marry him until he's mastered that level. Amen. Amen. All right? He got to at least know how to change a tire. All right? He ain't got to be a mechanic. That's a, lot. That's a big level to master. Amen? But he at least needs to know the basics of an oil change. Because, man, the last thing you want is to break down and have to call another man. So it's a rough thing. Right? So, at my house, <laughs> about a week ago, we in the bathroom, lights, you know, like just kind of dim and come back on. I started throwing blood, amen. <laughs> I ain't know what it was. Devil, you a liar. I watched scary movies, so I know it could have came home with me. Lights out, ah! Right? They start, they start like glowing. And then one day, we were just doing, I forgot what we was doing, and the lights just went out. I went downstairs to check the breaker box, and the breaker was in the arm position. That devil. <laughs> Demons, man. Poltergeist. So I say, well, let me just flip it off, flip it back on again. I flip it off. That thing said, <laughs> I ran up there. I said, bro, it's done. I don't know what to do. We're going to be in the dark today. About to kill myself trying to look brave. Trying to look sexy and die. Get electrocuted. <laughs> What am I talking about? I'm just saying that you got to master certain levels before you take on the title. Somebody say amen. All right? So now, every dimension is made up of levels. Every level is accessed by doors, and of course, every door is opened by keys. But now, let's start off with war, with, with, with worlds, all right? With worlds. Every world is made up of kingdoms. When we talk about a world, I want you to get ready to write this down. When we talk about a world. What are we dealing with? We're dealing with a spherical system. A spherical system or a spherical structure that has its own, this is important, atmosphere, culture, and climate. And let me give you the right order on that. Atmosphere, climate, and culture. Because actions produce atmospheres. Atmospheres sustain, produce what? Climates. And then climates sustain, produce cultures. Cultures are legal environments for certain seeds to grow. 
all right? Ohio is an illegal culture for citrus fruit to grow. You can't grow it there. And it could be a great seed. You can have great intent. But if you try to grow it there, it does not grow. That's why many of you guys, God has stifled the development of your gift because he didn't want it to grow in Egypt. Amen. He didn't want it to grow in a religious church. He didn't want it to grow in a, in a plantation. Amen. So he allowed the gift to stay dormant until you hit the right place. Amen. And once you stepped in the right... Amen. Yes, Lord. When Mary stepped in the right place, Elizabeth just started jumping. I don't know what it is, but I feel something about to pop off just because you're here. Amen. There's some, somebody say, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. All right. Give me a few minutes. <coughs> All right. So now let's deal with the world. A world is a, a spherical structure that has its own atmosphere, climate, and culture. Every world needs its own atmosphere to be sustained, right? If you have the earth, the earth has what we call an ozone layer, but it regulates the atmosphere. And then, of course, we ain't going to get into all the different spheres and the stratosphere, troposphere, and all that different kind of stuff. But in order for the earth to survive, there has to be the right atmosphere. Wow, watch me. In order for your business to thrive, in order for your family, which is a world, in order for your family to be sustained, it needs a certain environment, a certain atmosphere. In order for your inspiration to stay sustained, you need drama-free atmosphere because drama, it takes away or it eliminates your energy. Get tired, man. I get tired of fighting. I get tired of defending. My, I get, I get, I'm just tired. Trauma, amen, is designed to fatigue you, amen. So now when we're talking about a world, it's a spherical structure that is sustained by an atmosphere, a climate, and a culture. So every world needs an atmosphere. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Almost there, y'all. Almost there. Genesis chapter 1. Everybody say, every world needs a... Need, I don't even know what I'm about to say. Somebody say, every world needs an atmosphere. That's what I was about to say. Sometimes you don't know where to tell people to stop. Every, every, uh, wait till I say it. Amen. All right, so now, um, when we're talking about worlds, every world needs an atmosphere, all right? Now, how, does that atm how is that atmosphere created? In Genesis chapter 1, around verse number 3, or verse number 2 and 3, we're going to see it. Let's go to Genesis 1. Verse number 1, it says, in the beginning, let's start at verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved. I want you to underline that word, move. Of course, you guys know that is the Hebrew word, what? Rakoff. Rakoff. If you're taking new members here, you probably already know that. But it's the Hebrew word, rakoff. And it literally means to linger. To linger. To linger. Why is that important? All right, now watch me. Um, I used to do martial arts. And when I did martial arts, there was a form of martial arts I took, Paul, called ninjutsu. Now, when you do ninjutsu, they teach you how to recognize changes in temperature and pressure. 
right? So what they do, they'll put a blindfold over you, and they'll put you in a room, and they'll have somebody walk in the room, and you have to be able to indicate when the temperature or when the pressure changes. Because every space has finite volume. And the addition of every body increases the temperature on a minuscule level. And it disrupts the pressure of the room. So you have to be able to tell that. You have to be able to tell that. The reason I'm saying that is when a person enters your life, temperature changes. If you can't tell that the temperature changed, all of a sudden you didn't know, but three degrees down or two degrees up, that changed the atmosphere, which start making all the vegetation in your world die. But it didn't happen overnight. Slowly. Just slowly. Slowly but surely, stuff that used to be important is no longer important, right? You used to be saved. You used to love God. Don't touch me. And now it's like, oh, man. I don't even want God. You used to be able to decree and declare. You prophesy. You had a ministry. You had a calling. You was on Facebook telling people. If, but now, I don't even know. I don't even know if God real. And you're wondering, how in the world did your life become degraded to that degree so fast and so quickly? Just a small temperature change. Just small. So when God created the world, he made sure that the first thing that he did was create the right environment. And that was caused, watch me, by lingering. This is a worship technology. We call it soaking. Sometimes change does not happen in shifts. It happens by soaking. By you hearing the same thing over and over and over and over and over until it becomes so subconscious, you don't even know you're being changed. That's why you buy CDs. That's why you allow prayer and worship. That's why you allow the word of God to be playing throughout your house even when you're not there because it's being soaked. You're creating an atmosphere. All right? So now, give me, I got seven minutes, right? I got seven minutes. I'm doing good. Give me about seven minutes and we're good. So now, every world is sustained in an atmosphere. So when God created the world, he created an atmosphere for it to be sustained in. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Somebody say, Pastor, is good. I'm telling you, it's good, it's good, all right? Genesis 2, when you get it, look at verse number 5. Genesis 2, verse number 5, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till or work the ground. Keep going. And, uh, but there went up a mist, uh-oh, from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now hear me. When God was about to make the body of Adam, he had already made the spirit of Adam in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. But now God is going to create the shell or the vehicle, the actual body that Adam resides in. Because we know that Adam is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives, what? In a body. So God is going to create the house that Adam is going to live in. But watch me. Before he creates it, in order for him to mold it and shape it, you guys know this, the dirt is hard. 
right? Because man is stubborn, prideful, hard-headed, amen. So in order for God to, to shape Adam and to mold Adam, the first thing he has to do is make sure that the environment is right. So before he reaches his hand down and takes from the dirt of the ground, a mist comes up from the earth. Now, this mist, it looked like what we would call fog. Have you ever woke up early in the morning and saw fog? Or it looked like smoke. It was what we call glory. All right? Everybody say glory. God created Adam in smoke or in glory. Now, the glory was so thick that Adam could not see himself. He was naked and not ashamed. He could not see any of Eve's deficiencies, any of Eve's limitations, any of Eve's weaknesses. Watch me. Because it was hid by glory. It was like smoke. All right? Now, let's go ahead and I'll say this. We'll, we'll try to end here. So, if you have... Let's deal with the different components, and I'll try to be brief, all right? So when we deal with the different components, we're just going to start out with the base. We're going to deal with the base next week, all right? We're going to deal with the base next week, and we're going to talk about how to put structure or systems in place so that your sacrifices are always accepted. We're going to deal with that next week. But let's just, just flirt with the idea of, of, of the anatomy of the altar. We're not going to uh, jump into it, but we're just going to kind of look at it. So you have the base, right? You have uh, the offering. You have the fire. I got to watch me now. After you have the fire, you have the smoke. Then after the smoke, you have the heavens. All right? Now, the scripture says, heaven and earth will pass away, but one jot or one tittle of my word will not be removed. Old things have passed away, and behold, God has made all things new. Hear me. The scripture says in Genesis 2 and 1, these are the generations of the heavens, not just of the earth, but of the heavens. Because the same way the earth, the same way we have generations, watch, we grow, we mature, and then we die, we pass on, and then another is established the same way the heavens work. The heavens work in the same way. The atmosphere that you have for this season probably will not be sufficient for the season that is to come. The music you listen to now will be outdated by the time you get to your purpose. Amen. Somebody say, I understand. So understand, the heaven has to pass away at one point, at some point. The heaven that you had when you were a single, it was productive when you were a single. That same heaven that was productive when you were a single is destructive when you're married. Somebody say, I understand. So the heavens have to pass away so a new heaven is established. But that heaven or that atmosphere is established to sustain a world. Somebody say, I understand. All right, so now let's deal with it. Now, the base, we're going to find out, not deal with it today, but we're going to find out that the placement of the base determined the legality of the offering. If the altar or if the base of the altar was not placed in order, it didn't matter what you put on it. If your life ain't in order, it don't matter how... 
Don't matter what you put on it. It don't matter what you build. Amen. Don't matter what you sacrifice. But I come to church every day. It don't matter. Because the foundation that is built on is illegal. Right? Now follow me. The size of the offering determines the size of the fire. The size of the offering determines the size of the fire. Because the fire would grow according to the fat content of the animal. So the more fat the offering had, the more would drip down on the fire and the bigger the fire would get. But the fat content of the animal was determined by how much the animal was fed. So if you want big fire, you got to feed your offering. You got to make your offering fat. It can't be no skinny, barely making it. I'm just going to give you a little praise. I'm just going to give you a little bit of, I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm just going through. I'm depressed. See, we don't want that. That's going to cause little bitty fire. That thing going to be consumed in a moment, in the blinking of an eye. What we need is one big fat. Somebody say, make it big. When you praise, make it big. When you say amen, make it big. When you start a business, yeah, make it big. Somebody say, make it big. The size of the offering was determined by how much faith you fed it. Every day, how many times did you prophesy to I'm getting that house, amen, to the glory of the Lord. I'm getting that house, amen. And every day I stay in this apartment, I'm making that thing bigger. I feel that. Make it bigger. All right, I'm good. I'm good. Amen. I'm putting faith in that. I'm feeding that thing. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. It's going to be acceptable. I, I don't understand people that hate where they are, but they curse their future. Ain't never going to happen. Ain't never going to get married. I'm never going to be healed. It's always going to be like this. You got to learn how to bless where you are. Feed it. Give it. Somebody do me a favor. All the prophetic people, just shout real quick. Come on, Mike. All right. This is why you got to be on point. See, their praise can't be sustained when the bottom fall out. When there's no base, the, the offering can't be sustained. We're almost there. All right, no, don't sit down. We're done. We're done. The size of the fire is determined by the size of the offering. The size of the fire determines the density of the smoke. The thickness of it. If the smoke is thick... I don't, I can't walk by sight. If the smoke is thick, I got to walk by faith. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the smoke. If the smoke is thick. But the only way the smoke going to be thick, the only way your glory going to be thick, the only way your worship is ripe, the fire got to be hot. And the only way the fire is hot, some of you have lost your fire. And you think the wind blew it out. They said on the altar, the fire was supposed to be lit forever. It was never supposed to go out. And many of you, you've had your fire quenched. 
blown out through demonic winds, through the cares of this life, through abuse, through leadership, churches, some false prophet, blew it out. Yeah. But this is what I see in the spirit. How many people have a barbecue? You have a barbecue? You know when you think the fire is done? You know when you think it's all done? You know when you think that thing is over? But you put one last bit of meat on that thing. And all of a sudden, the little fat begins to drop. And those little glowing embers, they become brighter. They become bigger. They become hotter. I feel the Lord. Ah! It's dropping. It's dropping. It's falling. Come on, fat. The fatness of the Lord. The oil of the Lord. My lady, my. Ah! Yes. Yeah. Come on, y'all. Pull it. Pull it. Yes, Lord. Let your smoke see. Let it go. Zebe, Mare, Zaka. Come on, Miss Rose. Minister, Minister, Minister. Let it fall. Let it fall. Let it fall. 
Alright. Let me say this. Then we're going to get ready to move. When they would light the altar and the fire would rage, watch me. The smoke never went down. The smoke knew who it belonged to. Smoke always ascended. It always ascended. Why? The smoke acted like a spiritual bridge or a spiritual portal. Because God did not enter this realm seen. The scripture says that when Moses went and met with God, he ascended a mountain and then he entered a cloud. And it was there that he met God. Watch me. As the smoke ascends, God descends in the smoke. All right? Your Bible says it like this, that he inhabits the praise of his people. So this is what we're going to do. There's heat here. There's fire here. You can't get it at your seat. Remember, there's a designated place for you to, for you to offer your offering. So this is what we're going to do. On the count of three, if there's anything you need the Lord to burn out of your life, I feel Jesus in here. If you got something in your car, something in your purse, something in your pocket that you know is not of God, God wants it on this altar. Yes, Lord. If there's something in you that you know you need to surrender, God wants you on this altar. Don't make it cute. If you got to lay prostrate, lay prostrate. But on the count of three, all the lambs are going to come running. All the sacrifices are going to come running. All the offerings are going to come running. And we're going to offer ourselves to the Lord. And we're going to ask the God of fire to answer us by his might and by his power. Somebody say, I agree. Come on, shout, I agree. Live it, Get ready. If you're not filled with the Spirit, come to this altar asking to be filled. If you need healing in any area of your body, there's miracles here. Yeah. You know what you're doing right now? You're going through all of your offerings and you're finding the best one. Yes, Lord. Get ready, you got 10 seconds. Here we go. Five. Four. Your life will never be the same. Yes, Lord. Three. Two. From all over the building, one, come run it. Consuming fire. Consuming fire. Let it fall. Let it fall. Let it fall. Shout fire. Consuming fire. Consuming fire. Let it fall. 
Let it fall. Yes, Lord. Let it fall. We dedicate ourselves. Let it fall. We devote ourselves. Consuming fire. Yes, Lord. Consuming fire. Let it fall. My family belongs to you. My business belongs to you. My marriage belongs to you. Come on, embassy. Let the smoke rise. The God of the heavens descend. Let the smoke rise and the God of heaven descend. Let the smoke arise. Send down your fire. Your fire. Your fire. Send it down. Send down your fire. Send it down. Send it down. Worship, worship. Come on, make it real. 